Welcome to the Mighty Littles Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Anna from the Mighty Littles Podcast, and I just wanted to come on and give you guys a couple of updates about what to expect for the rest of 2020 from the podcast before we jump into today's episode. This week is the second of our Practical Parenting Focus on Touch episodes and I have Kim Walls back on the podcast. We discuss a little bit about the benefits of touch, particularly in this time of COVID where we're separated by boundaries and barriers and not allowed to see people and not allowed to hug. And so we kind of dive into that a little bit. And then we talk about kangaroo care in the NICU, which is one of the most essential things uh, happening in the NICU for both moms and babies. Next week will be an episode with Tina Payne Bryson. She is a New York Times bestselling author, and she had a new book this year come out called The Bottom Line for Baby, which is very quickly becoming one of my favorite books to recommend to parents when they're asking me about what books that they should look at. And so we'll really jump into her book and why it's so wonderful next week. We will be taking the week of Thanksgiving off, and then we'll be back at you in December. We'll have our practical parenting number three, uh, focus on touch episode, a family interview, and then I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to really share with you guys one of our family traditions in the month of December. We do not do Elf on the Shelf. We do Kindness Elves. And I will be putting together a calendar and kind of what we do for that kind, those kindness elves and what our traditions are. And if you want to follow along with us and, and incorporate this into your December tradition, we would love to have you. So we'll be putting a lot of that out in the month of December. As always, if you are enjoying this podcast, I really do appreciate every like and review that we get. It does help get this podcast out to more moms. Remember that you can find us either on the website, MightyLittles.com, or over at Instagram, which is at MightyLittles. So with that introduction, I want to go ahead and jump into this episode, welcoming Kim Walls back to the Mighty Littles podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yes. Last month, uh, Kim and I launched off our Practical Parenting, The Importance of Touch and Connectedness in the NICU, and we are going to continue with that theme today. And you guys, I just am so excited for this series to come out on the podcast because I think you know, we talk so much about the medicine of the NICU and these are the practical things that parents want to know. How do I get in there with my baby? How do I touch my baby? How do I connect with my baby? How do I make sure that, that I am a part of the team? And that's what these, this series on connectedness is really supposed to help with and to focus on. And so today we're going to, uh, dive into kangaroo care um, with Kim and we're gonna I'm gonna start us off with a few questions for Kim. So Kim what I really wanted to start off with this time is talking about you know really what the benefits of touch are and more specifically how touch is related to connectedness. In the time of COVID right now we have so many barriers between us and the people that we're interacting with 
you have special gowns, people are wearing gloves everywhere, you have face masks, you have shields, and we're, we really aren't touching. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit about the benefit of touch and how it relates to connectedness. And then we'll kind of dive a little bit more deeper into how that then relates to touch in the NICU. Okay, you bet. I love, I love this subject. So when it comes to connectedness, I think of that as community and as our, uh, our ability to resolve conflicts together, talk with each other, collaborate. These are all benefits that come directly from touching. They come from other things too. They come from our culture and our training and, and very specifically as people grow up, the way they are touched is how they learn to touch the world and touch each other. And touch has very specific physical benefits, um, but it also has a really long history and a well-studied history of emotional benefits. And some of the ways that the physical and the ben- and the emotional are connected are, if you think about your heart rate, if your heart is beating quickly and it's racing around and your hormones are off, it gets, you get into what I, I say to my kids, I say you're in lizard brain, right? You can't, you can't think clearly if you're in lizard brain, you're just reacting right now, you're being triggered. And the, the physical touch and contact has the ability to completely shift our body chemistry and get us out of lizard brain if we are in lizard brain or other people. So that lowering of the heart rate is important, lowering the blood pressure, lowering our stress hormones, cortisol, and actually increasing the delivery from the body to the body of um, calming hormones like serotonin or even dopamine, oxytocin. So that experience of touch will raise our levels of oxytocin in the body. It also is connected to learning. So we increase, we see when we're touching increased blood flow in the brain region where learning and memory are tied. So we actually have increased memory and we're able to let touch be a trigger for happy memories. One of the things I've heard you say, Dr. Zimmerman, that I really love is to be thinking about speaking and talking with the baby and singing with the baby. And when you connect touch to the sound of your voice, you're also then amplifying the baby's ability to remember that and to hold on to that. So there are like so many benefits. And then other physical benefits are weight gain. Um, Studies show that regular touch in NICU can increase weight gain by 47%, which is a pretty big deal. Gets them out faster. Gets them them home faster. Um, And increasing improving motor skills. It helps babies move more easily between different states. So if they're in quiet or active sleep or drowsy or crying, touch is an important facilitator of transitioning babies from one state to the next. So I feel I feel like I'm just going on and on right now, but I really do love all the powerful tools that touch gives us to improve communication and, and our emotional state. Yeah, and from a medical standpoint, you know, in the NICU, what we what we really think of as as touch, um, as babies kind of, you know, just get enveloped by their by their NICU routine is kangaroo care or skin to skin care and that's where we have um naked baby with a diaper right nobody wants to be peed and pooped on but naked baby (laughs) with a bare chest for mom or dad um and really it's just the parents that are doing kangaroo care in the NICU um and kangaroo care is beneficial on all levels so the babies have 
are, are more comfortable, they're calmer, they are going to gain weight better, they have less apnea and bradycardia, which are the breath holding spells and the heart rate drops. Um, they have improved temperature stability because they're gaining heat from the parent. Um, and it helps them kind of regulate um, wake periods and sleep periods. And it starts to expose them to light as they come out of the isolate a little bit more. So there are very, very few downsides to kangaroo care. And probably all of them can be summed up by saying something the baby needs might get dislodged. So the CPAP might come off, the breathing tube might become dislodged. If they have a central line, it might become dislodged or an IV might go bad. So that's really the only downside of kangaroo care. Everything about kangaroo care is positive in the NICU. And can those things be addressed quickly and easily? Yeah, so those things can be addressed quickly and easily. And most units have protocols in place to limit the risk of those things. So they have protocols about how many people have to do a transfer, who has to be involved in that, making sure that the breathing tube is really well secured before doing a kangaroo care session so that the breathing tube doesn't become dislodged. And if it does, putting the baby back and replacing that breathing tube very quickly, most babies don't have a problem with that. The central lines are a bigger deal. Some units allow you to hold with uh, IVs in the belly button and other units don't. And there's no way for me to tell every parent out here what that unit is going to do, what their particular unit is going to do, because each unit has their own protocols. And most of the time, it's a risk benefit. So the risk of holding and the risk of the line getting dislodged or moved you know, there there's definitely a risk benefit there and different units fall differently in terms of where they view that line for risk and benefit. Um, but almost everything can be easily identified and corrected if there was going to be a problem. So truly kangaroo care, skin to skin care, huge benefit Worth in the it. NICU. Yeah. Like <laughs> Worth it, right? <laughs> yeah. It's totally, I'm totally pro kangaroo care as early as possible. I think we briefly mentioned uh, last month in our episode that there are some cases in those first couple weeks of life where babies are just too unstable that we won't be able to do kangaroo care. But in those instances, you can go back and listen to those uh, to our practical tips about the first touches in terms of giving hand hugs and doing um, babies will hold your finger and you can talk to baby. So there are going to be some medical reasons that babies are too sta- too unstable to do kangaroo care at the very beginning of their hospital stay. But once they're stable enough, it's only beneficial. And and don't be discouraged because that little touch, which we I know we said in the last month, but that little touch can hold so much benefit. Even that little bitty connection from a finger to a toe can transfer energy and positive positive feelings that will help them thrive and survive. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we talked last time about the fact that you were one of the founders and co-creators of BEB Organic. And one of the things that BEB Organic has out is this book, Mindful Touch for Babies That Are Born Early. And I just wanted to ask you why you you decided to write this book and where that motivation came from. I think it's such a wonderful reference for parents that are in the NICU. It's got some big pictures that kind of draw you in, as well as all the different areas where you can focus on touch. So tell me, how did this come about? 
Well, thank you, first of all. Thank you very much. It was, it was a labor of love. Um, and it is, is uh, not to be corny, but it's an expression of love from me to other parents. When I see people uh, in a state of fear or lacking confidence, not feeling empowered, it breaks my heart. And I know that there are things that people can do to build their confidence. And there are people in the world like you who are invested in helping build their confidence. And I really believe that knowledge is power. And there wasn't anything like this as I was doing some of my own research and you know, talking with friends who had preemie babies of their own or NICU babies. They're just, I couldn't find anything that was that made the information digestible. And one of the things we had talked about previously was you know, I come from this background where sort of skincare meets medicine. And so in some ways I speak both languages. Medicine, the, the language of medicine is its own language. And I find that that can be very intimidating and daunting for people sometimes. And so I felt like I was the right person to try to help translate some of that really valuable, important medical information into a book that was just super easy to digest with like big letters and actionable tips and pictures and just completely non-medical presentation of medical information. In your Mindful Touch book, you do mention this um, study that came out of Reuters where they really talk about the benefit of touch with preterm babies. Would you like to uh, expand on that a little bit? Oh, sure. I'd love to. I It's sort of like touch begets touch is fundamentally what the study points out. A lot of good research came out of it or good data came out of it, but something that I think is particularly relevant for parents when it comes to inspiring them to keep going and inspiring to keep trying is that when babies aren't touched, they become less responsive to touch. And we already talked about all the wonderful benefits of touch, or at least well, what we really talked about was a very small swath of the benefits of touch. Exactly. They're important. And so to also understand that if the babies aren't being touched, those benefits become unavailable to them or less available to them because they because they become less responsive to it. And so I think that's a really good source of inspiration for parents to, even when it's scary, even when it's hard, even when they don't feel like it, to remember that they need to do it, even in little ways, a little bit at a time, because that's ultimately how progress will happen. And without jumping in and starting, you lose a lot of the opportunity that can come on the other side once you're through that tough, tough time. Yeah, it's, it's kind of motivating for parents to do the thing that they're afraid of, from not from their standpoint, but in, you know, parents are always thinking about their baby and, oh, I want to do everything I can for my baby. And sometimes that'll get them over the hump. I know I'm afraid to touch my baby, but it's so good for them. It'll just get me over the hump to get more comfortable with interacting with and touching my baby. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So when you were kind of planning out this book and working on the BEB organic product line, mm -hmm. what were your hopes for what the products could do in terms of helping bridge this gap and encourage parents to touch and connect with their baby? 
<laughs> for a minute there, I thought you were going to ask me what my like big, big ultimate hope is. And that's where people laugh at me. And I say, you go right ahead. My big, big, big goal is world peace. <laughs> and skincare, talk about starting small. Skincare is the first step. The first step world to world peace. peace. <laughs> <laughs> but to get back to reality, a little bit more specifically, my hope would be that the tools that the, the skincare would serve as tools both for education and practical working tools to engage in this process. So we have the, the times when we touch, whether it's in NICU or even at home with babies, very often it's centered around diaper changes, infant massage or therapy, and bath time. And so these grooming rituals are when we really learn to get involved in that process of touch. And not only are we getting the benefits of touch during that time, but by being so focused on baby, we're learning how they communicate. We're starting to to understand what it is they have to say because they can speak volumes without words. Yes. <laughs> so really getting into that and spending time with it and treating this time that we have together less like a chore and less like, like, you know, just about hygiene and more about an opportunity to be invested in each other's care. Because when we're looking at baby and they're looking at us, we're not just benefiting baby, our own oxytocin levels, our own feel good hormones are rising. That touch connection, that engagement actually has a huge opportunity, creates a huge opportunity for mental health, improved mental health because of the chemi chemical changes that are going on in our body and because of the feeling of empowerment. So the skincare specifically itself has elements to it that are designed to make the experience better when it comes to grooming. So there are things like we touched on this a little bit previously, but the smell of the products, the textures of the products. So for example, there's a, a full routine that as they get older, more steps are possible, but Cleansing the skin with bubbly wash. Second step is using soothing serum, which is a pH balancing product that also works with the microflora of the skin. So it introduces probiotics, balances the pH, and helps reduce sensitivity, followed by silky cream. And the silky cream is, is nourishing for the skin, and then the nurturing oil, which is going to keep that in. It's really going to work on the barrier and reducing the transepidermal water loss and locking in those nutrients that are helping the ecosystem of the skin stay uh, healthy and heal more quickly from things like pokes and prods and tape rips and the various things that will happen there. So by having the stages when you're in the full process, it actually draws it out a little bit. It's not a hurry up, let's get it done kind of process. It's a, it's a time investment that is going to boost the health of the person who's doing it and the person who's receiving it. It's interesting that you talk about that because I was recently talking with a mom about how wrapped up people get in doing things perfectly. So the perfect nursery, the perfect setup, the the perfect tub, the perfect whatever, you know, insert space or product or tradition or Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. And mm -hmm. that that really that that drive for perfection is actually a drive for connectedness. And what we're missing is connectedness and that we're replacing it with 
Pinterest perfect nurseries and Pinterest perfect parties. That's a lot of peas to say, to say <laughs> in a row on a podcast. But these these perfect experiences are our drive for connectedness. And and by having these rituals around bath time with this process, you have turned this time where you're just changing your baby's diaper into an opportunity for connectedness. And ultimately that's what we all want with our baby, specifically in the NICU, where you have this barrier of nursing and medical and beeps and wires and an isolate that your baby is literally confined into, you're looking for that connection. And by having these this process, you, you can get that connection without going down being the perfect line. Yeah, that okay. So you gave me chills. <laughs> I love this path you're on. And, and those barriers they remain once you're out of NICU, actually. They they stay. If you start thinking about the gear that we have in our lives now, it, a great deal of it important for safety. We have all of these things for safety that are driving us away from each other and, and making connection harder. So, for example, cribs, strollers, special seats that they get fed in, special bathtubs. They, if you think about what it was like closer to let's go with 500,000 years ago because <laughs> we're talking about sort of how our bodies are designed to work we were never separated we were always in contact with an adult likely a mother and so now that we have all of this gear which is really for safety in so many cases I think it's important to be mindful and conscious about how to swing the pendulum into balance when it comes to, to touch and connectedness because the world is working against us. It's working against us with viruses. It's working against us with our cultural norms and it's working against us with all the things it's telling us to buy. So where are the opportunities to, and I, I joke about it a little bit, but literally playing footsies when they're older or with your spouse or your partner, what have you playing footsies under the table, arm wrestling, like th- what are the, the silly little things we might call them? things that you can bring back into your life that are that connection, that moment, those touching moments that are so important for our health. Thumb wars. And so thumb wars and rock, mm -hmm. paper, scissors, where you crush the scissors or cover the rock. That's what my Mm -hmm. kids are doing right now. And if they're arguing about anything, I'm like, oh, I think we need to have a thumb war. And immediately they're <laughs> they're touching and they're doing their thumb war and they're giggling and they're laughing and whatever was the problem is no longer the problem because we've broken it with either a thumb war or doing rock, paper, scissors. And they love doing that. And it's tiny little touches, yeah. but nonetheless, it is little touches. Yeah, it changes our chemistry immediately. Yeah. Absolutely. Faster than morphine. Right. That's, yeah, it might not be as powerful, but it is faster. Um, so let me talk a little bit about some practical tips for kangaroo care or skin to skin care in the NICU. Um, so I think one of the very first places to start is when the doctors and the team come around on rounds for babies that are in those first couple of weeks where you're kind of unsure if you can hold or not hold, talk about it in rounds. Let it be part of your daily rounds. Is my baby ready to hold today? Is today a good day to hold my baby? And that way everybody's on the same page. Because every now and then I think the baby's totally fine to hold 
and the nurses are uncomfortable because of something or the nurses think it's okay for the baby to be held but I'm uncomfortable for some reason and there's nothing worse in the NICU than getting mixed messages where one team member says you can and one team member says you can't or day to day the nurse yesterday said I couldn't hold the nurse today said I could hold and why hadn't I held already and now I'm feeling badly towards the nurse yesterday because she wasn't willing to hold so the best way to combat that mixed messaging is to talk about it on daily rounds and have it be a part of the team discussion so everybody's on the same page Once you get the go-ahead to do kangaroo care, actually plan it out with your nurse. Say, I'm going to be there at 3 o'clock. We're going to do kangaroo care after the 3 o'clock cares from 3 until 6. And our ultimate goal is to try to get babies up to being able to tolerate a full set of between cares doing skin to skin. So you do your cares with your baby at 3, then you get everything started and you go to the bathroom first and you sit down and you get all comfy. They put the put your baby on you and then you can hold your baby up until that next set of cares. Because all we really want is for baby to sleep and be cozy and put their energy into growing and snuggling and they can do that on you for a complete set of cares. I always tell parents to avoid really strong scents. Um, Not a lot of perfumes. We really want the scents to be natural so that you are connecting with your baby. And I thought this would be a good opportunity for you to talk a little bit about the scents in the BEB organic products and how they aren't super strong. Oh, absolutely. So scent is is powerfully connected. I mean, one of our senses, right? We smell, we have touch, we have taste. Scent is an important part in my mind of healing. And I think about it in the same way we draw in different types of healing from all the different kinds of modalities, whether it's Ayurveda or acupressure or in some cases aromatherapy. There are so many healing methods and mechanisms from around the world that date back thousands upon thousands of years. And some of them are more newly accepted in Western medicine. And I think part of the reason for that is because we are finally catching up with our data, right? We like to know that things perform according to a certain set of standards that is a different set of standards and a newer set of standards than may have been used historically or in other countries. So when it comes to scent, we are having more and more data available to us showing that certain types of scent are can can improve health in meaningful ways. So uh, my favorite example of this is the rose, the rose oil, and how that specifically calms the body and the hormonal system and how due to the calming of the body and the reduced amount of stress, more balanced system, the body stops losing so much moisture. So an important factor in skincare and NICU is, is the levels of transepidermal water loss. And when we smell rose, we are very specifically able to measure a reduced level of transepidermal water loss. So I think that's a really powerful um, point of recognition about what what smell can do both for and against you. So lots of different smells, like fragrances in particular, anything that has the word fragrance on it, I, I try very hard to avoid just in everyday life. But when when around people who are working on healing or if I'm working on healing, 
um, I really avoid anything that says fragrance because there can be up to 4,000 different unknown chemicals in fragrances. And many of those are known hormone disruptors. So when it comes to the way we have selected scent for these particular skincare products, BEB Organic, we've thought about it from a clinical perspective and made sure that while it does smell good and also calming, and we know for sure that the ingredients we're using have a calming effect on the body, they don't linger and they're not made from synthetic chemicals. So you'll get that benefit, that immediate benefit, soft smell, and then it will dissipate very quickly. And that allows for the scent of the baby and the scent of the mother to really lead and be those primary um, stimulants when it comes to that sensory experience. I always tell parents not to wear really strong perfumes because you can you can just see that it can stress the baby out. So that's just great. A yeah. few more practical tips for dads. Don't shave your hair. Don't shave your chest. There's <laughs> nothing worse than laying against that stubble for a preterm baby. And for moms, you either want to pump first or make sure you have on a bra with some pads because doing skin-to-skin care with your baby is one of the really good ways that you can increase your supply. So if you don't want to be leaking through your clothes, you're going to want to pump first and or wear a bra that has some breast pads on it. Um, in terms of what do you need to wear, this is probably one of the most common questions I get in the NICU. Um, just wear a stretchy tank top or a button-up shirt. You can take one of dad's old work shirts. You can take a flannel shirt that you button up. Um, You just want easy access to the front of your chest. A lot of moms will actually just come in whatever t-shirt they're wearing and then put on one of the hospital gowns that opens up in the front and then you have really easy access and you can lay baby down and then you can lay a blanket on top. There are a few companies that make shirts that are specific for kangaroo care or for skin-to-skin care with babies in terms of having kind of a stretchy layer that you can put baby in that keeps baby close. And you are welcome to bring those into the NICU. Most NICUs don't carry them routinely because of hygiene purposes. So you don't want to take one from one mom and put it on another mom. We like everything to just be specific for that baby. And there's no downside to using any of those products, but there isn't an indication to use those products either. You don't have to use those to do successful kangaroo care in the NICU. I held my kids close to my chest all the time and I just laid on the couch and snuggled with them. Um, and I didn't have any special, special equipment to do that. So those are kind of my big practical tips for kangaroo care. Do you have anything to add? No, I absolutely love it. I just, you reminded me of my, my now 17 year old this morning wasn't prepared for a test he had. And he like, he came upstairs and he goes, mom, I need a hug. And he probably is much larger than I am, right? He practically sat in my lap and like cuddled in. And I, it was such a gratifying moment of like, if he hadn't been having the experience from the beginning of that time to cuddle, I can't imagine I would have gotten so lucky as to get a hug for, because of his distress this morning. So right. it just, just made me smile. Okay, perfect. Um, So hopefully those uh, kangaroo care practical tips will be really helpful for you guys that are doing kangaroo care in the NICU right now. Um, And I, as usual, am going to wrap up this podcast with a question for Kim about parenting. Um, I have two questions, actually, and they're both related to books. So the first is, 
Do you have a favorite parenting book that you have either read or recommend to people? I absolutely do. I really, really do. Um, it's actually not a book. It's a series. Okay. And it's called, you know, the first one is called Your One-Year-Old. And then the next one is Your Two-Year-Old. And it goes on up to 14. It's put out by Giselle Institute of Human Development, written by Carol Chase Haber and Louise Ames. And reading these books, what they actually go through is brain development and behavioral norms and all these different things. And the the best example I could give is I I wasn't lucky enough to find it until I had a two-year-old, but it was terrible or tender was, is kind of the title. They give you these little titles and it really helps explain what's going on for them, what their developmental opportunity is. And of course it can be adjusted for preemie babies, you know, just however, in in whichever way the team thinks is best but a lot of there's I see a lot of misconceptions by parents about what they think their child should be able to do what they think they like why would you do that sort of it's one of the most common questions out there um and this book answers those questions so that you don't have to shame the child to get the question answered with something they can't possibly answer anyway and so many other things so I like I could go on and on and on about how much I love these books but Every year I read them and every year I felt like I learned an absolute ton as I I wish we still had them. Now my kids are out of the range. They stopped writing them. I wish they'd keep writing them. You're like, I need one for 17 year olds. (laughs) I need need my book. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's a great recommendation because that is one of the things that my husband and I are always talking about. Like, is this developmentally normal? Is this acting out? Is this, do we need to worry about this? Do we not? So some examples are um, lying and making up stories, mm-hmm. right? So at what point, when is lying just something they're experimenting with? And when is it actually concerning that you have a, you know, psychotic child or a, you know, a <laughs> psychopath for a child who's going to lie and manipulate me, right? So when is the lying just lying and storytelling? And when is the lying an underlying you know, insight into the fact that your child is not a good child. Or um, I like for five and six-year-olds, you know, they, they talk about how in kindergarten you have this big explosion of movement. And for kindergartners, it's always the phrase that I use is the devil made me do it, right? So why did you poke your brother? I don't know. The devil made me do it. Why did you turn the sign at the ice cream store from open to closed as we were walking out? Like, what made you need to touch that right now? I don't know. The devil made me do it, right? Like, it it just, they have this explosion of movement and they're just constantly in everything. So I haven't read this particular book um, for five-year-olds, but I'm going to go look at it because my twins are about to be five. And there's something about that five-year-old brain that is the devil made me do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. I remember one of the tips when we were, when my boys were about that age was the kids were wanting to jump off the top of the play structure. And the teachers were saying, you really have to watch them because they will jump off. The, they think they can fly. It's developmentally, they don't know that they can't fly. So they will test whether or not they can actually fly. And it's, they're not being stupid. They're <laughs> just testing. Their brain is. Yes. 
<laughs> and they're like, so just incrementally increase the size so that they, they jump and fail from a safe height instead of a not safe height. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff. And then my second book question is, do you have a favorite book about how you purposefully or how you intend to live your life? Ooh. I have a book that I that made has made a big difference in my life that I think about all the time and that I recommend and give to people all the time called Onlyness by Nilifer Merchant. This it's kind of a business book, but in the same way we were saying before, like the things I learn about how to parent are equally applicable to the things I learn about how to manage teams. <laughs> this book is a is about confidence and trusting your intuition and recognizing the value of your unique perspective. And I think that's really valuable, especially for women and for anybody, but especially for women who may be told no a lot, or maybe told they're not, somebody is listening to them and they can't quite hear or see their perspective. And so the person who's telling the idea feels devalued, but the book onlyness is really about saying, of course, nobody else is going to see things exactly the way you do. You have your own perspective. You have your own way of experiencing the world. You have your own everything. So dig into that onlyness and let it be what you give to the world with full confidence and full light, full glory. And the way I think that's relevant to parenting, it's kind of the smallest thing, but it's so powerful. Still, it comes back to parents' intuition you know, like sometimes you just know, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't be taking in other advice or listening to the experts, but it does mean that if you feel something is really wrong, you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and don't stop pushing because your intuition matters. Yeah. And until you get the answers that you need. Yes. To yeah. stop. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, that's so fantastic. that's my book. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, Kim, as like before, it was absolutely a pleasure having you on here. I really hope these tips for kangaroo care and our discussion about touch and connectedness are uh, helpful for you guys. And we will be back uh, next month and we'll be focusing on baby baths, baby spa day. I can't wait to come back for that. Thank you so much for putting this information out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Bye. You keep saying it, Walt. No. Podcast.